Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm the host, Simon Sweetman, and this week I had a, I'm bringing you a chat that I had with Jonathan Crayford. Uh, he's a pianist, I guess, primarily, although uh, he has a regular duo where he only plays bass. We talk about that. And he, he can play a bunch of instruments. He's a film composer. Uh, he is a... Uh, a creative force and uh, I would have wanted to talk to him anyway I fell under the spell of his music sort of over a decade ago and I've followed most of what he's done Uh, he's collaborated with uh, people I know and lots of musicians I respect but uh, the the real reason I think I ended up seeking him out at this particular time to talk to is because uh, his name just kept coming up and some you will have heard it already in some of the earlier conversations I guess because he's a guy who's who's worked with some of the people that I've interviewed, and also he's just one of those uh, important musical uh, heroes, a touchstone for so many people. He's uh, an extraordinary musician. Um, when I first I saw him play, which was getting towards 15 years ago, I think, he'd just come back to New Zealand from a rather lengthy um, stay overseas, and you know his name was talked up, so I went along to see it, and it was mind-blowing watching this trio uh, it was it was world class. I thought I was watching, you know, one of the absolute greats. I'm sure I was watching one of the world's greatest musicians, and it had uh, a huge, a huge effect on me. And I sort of caught up with everything that he'd done and started following everything that he was about to do, and and it sort of stuck with most of his music since. I've only met him a couple of times, very briefly. We've only ever had a couple of conversations and a couple of interactions. So this this was in a sense a first proper meeting, a first proper discussion, and. Uh, you'll get uh, a sense almost immediately of uh, this extraordinary musical mind and the way and the way it works for him and the way he operates he he finds music in just about anything i think um, so yeah great great chat i think and i was uh, felt very privileged to to meet up with him and, and share some of his story uh, this is sweeping podcast tea leaf tea Le Petit chocolat and yeasty boys are our sponsors and thanks very much to them uh, get in touch if you want to advertise on here or sponsor an episode or some episodes of the podcast and enjoy this conversation, me chatting with New Zealand jazz great Jonathan Crayford. We can kind of dive just right back into what you were talking about if you want. But Yeah, okay, so, so we started, we are talking about, <laughs> you mentioned um, a couple of references to to how music might relate in a wider sense to perhaps uh, other other manifestations yeah. of of phenomena let's say like yep. color and rhythm and 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 even people's personalities or auras or yeah and spiritual things and and then just other and I I was I started mentioning the mathematical relationship which of you course, started transcribing by my car rug yeah the rug so because what I realized one day when I was um, I think actually this is it for me. From a very early age, I was I noticed a couple of things that 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 I felt were profound. And I think when kids are young, they do know the difference between a profound thought and a everyday thought. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it it seemed to me that every note sounded different than every like C sounds different than C sharp. You can play a song in C sharp, and it's the same song. Yeah. And then you can play it in C, and it's the same song. You can not be bothered by the change, but inside those uh, notes is a different fingerprint. 
and that's what it, 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 I so how old were you when you started thinking about this stuff uh, I don't remember not thinking about yeah. it put it that way yeah um, and so, and then later you know you come across things terms like perfect pitch and that which which um, seem to point to a to a to the likelihood that there is a difference between an actual um, an a, an actual pitch and another pitch, so that the vi- whatever's going on in say the note C has has a uniqueness that isn't going on in the note C sharp, or maybe not. Yeah. But maybe maybe you just some people have a grounded enough sense of of a fundamental tone that that, that 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 gives them an insight. Now, I don't have perfect pitch. I've I I usually know what I'm hearing though. So, but I but sometimes I don't. So I have to sit and figure it out. So it's not like yeah that. But and then these thoughts of like when you're you're a kid and you wonder if everyone sees the same colour when you mention the word yellow. You wonder if everyone sees the same yellow. All of those sorts of questions, yeah. right? So that I'm, what I'm talking about is the the world of relativity and the world of the absolute, and and is the absolute does that does that really matter? Because in music it doesn't. Music you can shift things around as long as the relationships stay relatively the same. Yeah, it's the same shit. Um, however, getting back to what I was saying, I I I realised when I was quite young that every note's actually different than every other note, and and this was made more clear to me because my the piano that my father had in our house that we had in our house was an old the upright I actually can't remember the sound of it anymore but the um, keys the ivories had come off so every uh, bit of every key looked different than every other key in terms of what was going on in the wood grain and the glue and so I just started associating those images to those notes yeah so you had a in your mind, you had a, a physical representation, yeah. a visual representation of. Yeah, sees that. that Boom, it looks like that. And when I when I make that sound, it's yeah. going to look like that. Yeah. And when I see that, yeah. I can make that sound. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then yeah. when I wow. and our neighbours across the street had a piano that was perfect, all the keys were in good yeah. shape. You didn't know how to play it. <laughs> no, no, it just fuck it like stumped me for a while. Wow, like, where the hell is that thing? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. But I and and I always learn. I learn everything by ear. In fact, so much so that I really, when I encountered um, written music for the first time, I really didn't like how it looked. Didn't seem to me to look like music sounded. Yeah. And of course, it doesn't. Well, in certain ways, it does. But it's a symbolic language. It's yeah. a notation. It's a. It's an abstracted notation. But at that point, I thought, "Fuck! I'm going to figure out how to write it." so that it looks like it sounds so when you just look because when you hear a piece you got you hear the mood you hear the motivic development you hear repetitions you hear you hear everything about it yeah and 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 it's emotional impact as well you hear all of that but you don't see that when you're looking at a score unless you can very unless you like a lot of people are very clever at just playing it in your head um but i was i became interested in just being able to see what a piece of music looked like and so at various points in my life, I've gone back to that question and tried to answer it. Yeah. And, and also at, um, 
school um, when when the sciences broke into the three like physics, chemistry, and um, biology, and I, I was tremendously interested in physics and slightly less so chemistry. Um, and physics to me seemed to relate directly to everything I'd figured out about music at that point. And so I'd go home from a physics after a day at school having learned some new thing in physics and I'd apply it to the piano. Right, to the piano, yeah, yeah. And so I often sought uh, musical material from stuff outside of music and and got particularly charged up by reading about people who are explorers in some kind of one way or another, like either actual explorers who went somewhere difficult for the first time or or in a way in a different way or whatever or and also explorers of phenomena like um, physicists and artists and not so much writers um, and composers and you know I was just attracted I never read fiction as a kid I just read biographies about people who did stuff and whatnot yeah um, quite like short stories things that were easy to grasp in a in a in that set, in a story sense, but well, short stories are like songs, you know, yeah, like tunes, guess, aren't they? In a way, are. like they yeah, and there's more of a relation, form. yeah, yeah. And it's I guess you could sometimes say an album could be a bit like a novel, but not always. It's more like a collection of short stories, you know, like yeah, yeah. There's, there's, yeah. To me, there's something in there that makes sense. That those, right, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so, and and I so I think that that's because I I am attracted to structure. Yeah. And you can, um, and the th- the difficult thing about structure is just, well, you wonder what it is to begin with. Like, the, so you have the only way to deal with it, or has for me to have dealt with it is to start with very simple structure and then grow out from there. And I remember coming across something Bach, I wrote or said or something. He said, "It's just there's a couple of things he said. He said it's just a question of." Put playing the right note at the right time. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, oh, well, fuck, that's easy, isn't yeah. it? Let's just do that. And yeah. then you realise <laughs> how long it takes to be capable, <laughs> you know, to do that, right? Yeah. And and um, and also that everything that he did was gained by simple steps from simple um, beginnings. And, and um, so... I think that uh, there I am about, at about, I think it's about 10, I consciously tried to start to compose. And um, and I remember sitting down thinking, right, it's all And you've been at the now. instrument for what, five oh, or six or seven years or something? You, yeah, you started I, about three? I think my mum said I was playing at two or three, something like that. So let's get a little bit of that background. So you've got music and music goes through your family. Yeah. So your dad... My dad's a very fine pianist and 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 plays a number of other instruments. And yeah. he, he he was working, um, well, he was doing gigs, but he also in those days, see, there was a little that it was a different age, and um, there was a lot of recording and um, a lot of songwriting, and um, I mean, a lot of a lot of writing specifically for stuff like every day and every week and in, and like show radio shows and yeah. themes and spots on Just TV and, yeah. and da 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 you like you, you know this sort of activity so he was, was going on he was going off and doing that yeah for television and for radio yeah. and um, 
when the broadcasting had their studios and broadcasting house. So yeah. I, I spent a lot of time growing up in those studios. Yeah. Studio A, Studio B. And I knew um, Kevin Olaf and, and um, uh, Robert... Um, oh, man, his last name's gone out of my head. Neil Madiver, Gar- uh, Gary Clark, engineer. Anyway, so yeah. the people who, who worked and produced music... And it was a fantastic studio, and they ha- had very good equipment, a beautiful Neve desks, and nice piano Steinways, and um, Bösendorfer, and Hammond Hammond C3, and and a set of Deegan vibes. I think just really great, sh- yeah. great mics. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so whoever kitted that studio out, you and what doing. the hell they were doing? Yeah, yeah. It's fucking amazing. You don't get that shit now. Yeah. I mean, you're lucky. Yeah. To get that shit now, even anywhere in the world. Like, I did a recent. Um, Stint at the magic shop. It's not. It's not there anymore in New York, and and they had a Neve from an. It was an ex BBC Neve. Wow. That yeah. there were only four of them designed. Yeah. Like they look like the bridge of a ship, and uh, five of them ever built, and one of them's in the Tokyo Harbor because it fell yeah. off the boat on on the way into. The, yeah. Anyway, so I digress. But so so um. When you're sitting, and. And, you know, to go back to this sort of patterning, this carpet yeah, yeah. And, and that the actual weave of the carpet, technically the, uh, that's a score going on that's being played. The score is the what you need to do with each thread, you know, the, the instructions yeah. for what you do with each thread and each colour and blah, blah. And then the piece is the finished picture. And I remember being in Peru um, and, and, and I was watching these um, Indian girl, Quechua girls weave a, a belt and had a picture of a bird on it and stuff and I said what do you how do you know what you're doing and they said well we just grew up with this stuff I said yeah but what are you what are you doing when you make that where's your map and they said oh well, we, we've got a song they've got a song for each yeah right thing and of course that makes a lot of sense because you go one thread up one thread down Red goes left, right goes brown, yeah, da, yeah, da, yeah. Da, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, <clears throat> so, so this started to fit into my idea that, um, well, uh, the idea that uh, that there 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 was there is a notation out there that's actually an equivalence of of things, and we see it every day. We just don't realise we're seeing clothes rather than structure. So what I mean by that is um, the structure of things is actually their identity and the way they manifest to us through our senses is, is the way they appear, is, is what they look like or sound like, right? So if you take a major third, for example, which one could say is a happy sounding interval, it's, you've got this whole classic thing between major and minor keys and major is happy and minor is sad. Let's, yeah. let's, that's, that's a very oversimplification yeah, yeah, of what's yeah. going on, but it's quite a good. It's a good place to starting start. Point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And going back to what Bach said, there's a simple starting yeah. point of yeah. okay, this means this, and that means that. Yeah. So, so why the hell do intervals speak to us this way? Uh, why, why does even music speak to us? I mean, rhythm, rhythm is a, a bit more. Um, seems to be a bit more primeval and yeah. and uh, 
from the natural forces. And yeah. so it, it's easier to understand why we get off on the rhythm. Um, and I suppose if you get into the territory of harmony, and in particular, like the 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 very developed and finely tuned uh, sort of laws or or laws of harmony um, that have been established throughout all the ages and everything, you know, why do they work that way? Why why does one chord go with another chord and not with another chord? And you know, what is the science behind this? And is there one? And I started asking myself these questions when I was absolutely sick and tired of the guesswork it took me to compose a piece yeah. uh, and the and the amount of blockages and like I'd start and I'd, it would just be like I would get a some sort of a job like a movie or, or well, you know some sort of task and I actually personally would have no idea if I'd be able to do it or not because from one day to the next yeah. I just wouldn't know well, if I would get a tune written or if I, I might have a good idea and a sort of put a can't get any further with it or da da da. So you're talking about you mean you mentioned this before and everything you're saying here is is pointing points to this in one way or another as this this need for and response to an understanding of structure. When does um, chaos come into that and and you know, I imagine it comes in as a as a inverse relationship, you know, a reaction or whatever, but there's a lot of chaos in some of the work you do at least and it, I imagine it's been quite an important influencer I certainly think of you as a um, I don't think of your piano playing as as being chaotic or uh, although but I do think of your bass playing as having this punkish you know chaos type element when does that come in and is that part of unlocking for you I guess oh, I will be able to come up with a tune because I'll, I have this system I can operate under as well and that these two things actually can work together. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dance between the two. Yeah. An eternal dance between the two. But I, I came out of chaos. I, I, I arrived into music. Well, don't, don't we all one way or another? Yeah, yeah, of <laughs> yeah, course, yeah. of course. <laughs> but yeah. Um, like I didn't learn anything technically... I mean, my dad was, a, as I said, an excellent, is, yeah. is an excellent user, but he, I don't ever remember him sitting down and right, saying, and saying now, right, son, son, this is a major yeah, yeah, chord, yeah, yeah. and this is a minor. Yeah, but all he, the stuff was there. It was and, there. And for you to explore, and, yeah. you, you know, you're, um, you have this influence over your kids without, yeah, yeah, without you know, needing to say anything. I mean, we walked to the shop the other day, my son's five, and I asked him to hold the DVD, to take back to the shop and he opened it and he couldn't read it but he looked at it and recognised the disc and he goes oh you had this out two weeks ago when blah 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 was around <laughs> and he was completely right <laughs> now I'm not piling up DVDs and going memorise that memorise that but right. because there's a lot of media in this house yeah. you know he's finding his topic. way with that yeah, yeah, yeah. and I well <laughs> it could be or it couldn't be you know like uh, but yeah, that's just you know. So so this is happening for you with your dad. Like mm. all of his energy around music mm. is, you know, finding its sleeve. Yeah, it's yes. finding its way to you. Yeah, not just him. Like there's yeah, a, yeah. a pile of musicians in our that's house. That's right. All the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So so getting back to this chaos thing. Yeah. Well, you know that's interesting because because chaos actually is there's a lot of there's there's an infinity of good stuff out of it and you don't ever want to be too far away from that and so 
the, it's 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 a bit like you've just got to choose a starting point. It doesn't really matter what it is, and and these questions are quite difficult to answer sometimes. Like for me, I didn't ever need to decide what instrument I wanted to play. I I was either happy to play the piano, and luckily there was one there. Yeah, yeah. Or that was enough of an instrument to never really bother looking at any other instrument. Yeah. Although I do play other instruments, but the piano's always been the, the main one, the first one at least. Um, so what I'm saying is that I didn't have a decision-making process to go with it. And, and I, uh, you know, some kids like don't know what to play. They want to play something, and but then don't know how to choose. Like, well, if you play guitar, then you look good and you might get yeah. girls, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, what's really speaking to you about it? So, so what... What um, I'm saying is, think I I didn't know I was involved in music. Yeah, I just was. Yeah, and I thought everyone was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until at that point, I realised, oh no, not everyone's doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All cares. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I also knew some people wrote music, like some music was written, some stuff was made up by people. Yeah. But there was a lot of music I thought just nature put there. Stuff like Charlie Parker or, or Mozart, I, that seemed very from such profound depths yeah. that it, probably people didn't do that. That must have just been grown. Yeah. That would have grown. Yeah. You know, I really ha was shocked when I when I discovered that that stuff was made up by people too. And, and then, so yeah, and not just that. Then you find out people that um, aren't anywhere near as together as their art. That right. they put into the world, right? right. right. That's yeah, another thing that after that, well. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. It's fascinating. so Charlie Parker, of the, well, both of them, but Charlie Parker's a very good example of that. The world of, of chaos, all over. Yeah. Again. So, um, but, um, so getting back to this thing was where this question for myself when I was about ten, I thought, yeah. okay, right now I'm going to compose, and I sat at the piano, and I just thought a bunch of stuff would come out, and I would have written it. And yeah. That was it. Yeah. You know, no effort involved. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm here now. Here yeah. 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 <laughs> Fucking rude awakening. But, and then I thought, oh god, great. Well, how do you start from nothing? I mean, here I am. Okay, I'm nothing. You know, yeah. what do you do? Yeah. And and I goofed around. I must have eventually and got something. Um, in fact, I used one of those first pieces that I wrote in a film score. You know, much, much later. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, what, where do you start and how do you, and what do you do, what the hell do you do? And so that question's never left me. And so when I start to write a new piece, and I'm sure probably everyone does this, it's just, um, unless something's come in and you've got a little idea, uh, it's really like, you start from nothing each time, and um, then you get a little bit of stuff up, and you get something going, and then you go, well, what, what do I do with it? And then so, so I at a certain point, like I did when I was ten, just was sick of the random nature of just goofing around looking for. Okay, where do I go now? I oh, let me just, so I'll just put my hands on this and see if that was a anything to to just get a window into some sound that I. Because the trouble is if you're thinking stuff up, you tend to just think the same things up. You need fresh stuff in your brain that isn't yours to then do your thing with. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so 
so that's one aspect of that. So that's a very that's a very important part of it. I I realise ah you've got, actually got to live life and live as much life as you possibly can. That's nothing to do with music. So that you have something to say. Yeah, and yeah. I mean like every day. So I I've in recent years I tend to go I'll 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 put specific months aside for projects but I'll and they'll be for composing and sometimes it'll be for practicing and some you know I sort of um split it up a bit yeah, so yeah. that I I'm not just at in a sea of um um a sea of need to do stuff I just go oh no I don't need to practice today I'm composing yeah yeah right um and then I go well what do I want to do to compose it so I so I'll often just go I'll move to a city and I'll be there for a few months and I'll, I'll rent a joint with a piano and I won't I'll know as little as possible about my surroundings yeah. and then that'll freshen some stuff find up find it or, as you go or I'll have some little reason to go somewhere or I'll go yeah. into the bush or whatever it doesn't yeah. matter it's just yeah. got to be different than my life yeah yeah and that's not to say that I don't compose when I'm in my life as well. I do. I do, try and do it all. But I've found that that gives, will give you something. Anyway, so that takes care of that aspect of it. That sort of takes some of the chaos out of it. Yeah. But then every day is chaotic. You, yeah, yeah, which like, you filter yeah. into structure. Yeah, yeah. And there's this tune I wrote on, on my last album, um, East West Moon, which is... Um, and... Uh, uh, Features my trio in New York, Ben Street and Dan Weiss. Um, anyway, I wrote that music in Berlin, and um, there was this one tune that I was really stuck on. I, I I had a very nice sequence going on, and I, I didn't know what to do with it because it was so nice it was hard to get out of it, and uh, so I just got as far as I could get, and I recorded it on my phone, and then I went and I rode round on the on the U-Bahn all day with yeah. playing it in my head and um, and just looking at people yeah. and then I went home and I wrote the rest of it and I don't know what happened when I was doing that it was just I got out of my shit and then every now and then I'd want to hear what I'd done again I'd play yeah. it yeah. so it was something to do but it was and that's what I do when I get stuck I just get out of my shit but yeah. then I go jump back into it and whatnot. Um it strikes me you have all these, um, just in this conversation we're having, you have um, all these sort of dual forces, dualities in your life. So there's the, you know, again, some of this is pretty simplistic, but there's the composer-performer dynamic or composer-player. Mm. Um, there's the, in all of the things that you do, you've got the sort of um, acoustic versus electric. You know, like you'll have an acoustic trio, then you'll have an electric trio. You've yep. got... Um, the, the whole chaos structure thing we're talking about and I know you play several instruments but but in terms of your performances um, these days largely it's you know piano keyboard based or bass yeah. guitar based yeah. and you might play the bass like a guitar yeah but yeah it's interesting that you've got all these you know very much sort of dualities that you're dealing with either or yeah and you can combine elements of them both you know like in, in a single thing but yeah it's quite interesting how I tend not to you like, tend not to exactly yeah, yeah. they are I was going to say they're very they're actually their own separate thing yeah and even you know you've got like you just said and and I, I know this is the case so there's there's nothing pretentious about this but what a wonderful thing to be able to say my New York trio 
which oh, is yeah. what it is because yeah. those that's where they are and yeah. when you work with them it's over there well yeah I have a but, number of New York oh, that's yeah pretty. yeah yeah but then you have local you know you have a New Zealand trio or whatever you know or you well, I, could re- do, yeah. I, I saw this TV show once about some dude who claimed he had ESP or he could mind read or something like that yeah. and um and he would guess people's names on. The, he'd stand on the street and guess people passers by his names yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. And they seem, seem, but seem to be amazed and stuff. Well, I don't know how you can believe that, really. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, one of the things he did was he um, he said, right now I'm going to play chess with ten people at the same time, and and I've got a range of players there. No, no, he. Did, I don't think he said anything about it. He said, okay, I'm going to play. 10 people chess at the same time and I'm going to claim that I'm going to win most of the games, maybe not yeah, all. Yeah. And so there he was and there was a circle of 10 people and he was in the middle Yeah. and he went over to the first one and made a move and then he crisscrossed and yeah, did that yeah. until he played 10 games of chess and he won most of them. Yeah. And then he said, okay, I'm going to tell you how I did it. And he said, I, I, I carefully selected a range of players, like some really good ones. Yeah. And some average players, and my, me myself, I'm about a little above average. So, I knew I probably wouldn't beat the good ones, but I'd beat the other ones. So I went, I played the good one first, and then I copied his moves to the other side. <laughs> yeah, right. And then I just did that, <laughs> so bounced yeah, around. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Wow. And I thought, well, that's a clever thing to do. <laughs> yeah. But it's also clever because it keeps things simple. Well, how's that for distillation of influence? You know, like that's right. grabbing, gra- you know, it's like grabbing the move yeah. and copying it yeah. so that it becomes your move, but it's just taking from influence to yeah. performance, if you like, straight away, you know, like, yeah. To, yeah, amazing. So, and that's what I do, that's how I deal with having projects in, in Europe and in New York and yeah. here, is I just take, I write the music. Yeah. And I take the book of music. It's and, and and the music differs for every ensemble, but I have a, a, a it's not the same, but I have a sort of equivalent group to my electric trio in New Zealand. I have that in New York. Yeah. And um and so the the music that I write for that trio and I'm not just the only writer in that trio, it's not my band, so to speak. Um the music that we play in New York, I can play here with the, the yeah. my, my trio here, and um, so that's good because it means one doesn't one isn't in the way of the other. They yeah. both reinforce each other. So yeah. it's like I t- play the chess move over in New York, come back, play that same move here. <laughs> yeah, this little different thing happens with it, and yeah. then I'll go back there and some Add other shit the, happens yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that way I can keep the writing. Um, I can write with integrity into that sound field of, yeah. of stuff and and, um, and actually I can use the same publicity as well. Yeah, yeah. So it makes everything easy. You've got to have, you've got to have everything covered to like make everything work in music. It's no good just to be good. All right. So, so you get away with that somewhere like New York because it's so yeah. full of shit. Yeah. You can just afford to be good and then you... you It'll work. You'll, you'll get your space. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, someone will come and they'll represent you or whatever, you know, yeah. if you're lucky. Yeah. But otherwise, you've just got to look after everything yourself and yeah. make sure everything's done and make sure you have... Um, so, I mean, what what's possibly um, dazzling and startling and confusing to people listening at this point is that 
everything that you're saying makes sense, but how did it get to that point that you could have and operate, I guess, switching these hats, having these different things? So in your sort of personal timeline, we've got up to where you're about 10, and you've been, music's your life without you even knowing it, and you're, you know, proficient at the piano to the point where you're going to become a composer, but you're doing that and in the way a child does is, oh, I guess I'll just do that. And then you're finding straight away, first day on the job, okay, this requires right. something beyond proficiency. Yeah. So where do you, how, what I want to get, what I want to get some understanding of is how does the 10-year-old you become the you now that we're talking about that plays different types of music with different people in different parts of the world? What, what goes on in yours because I know a little bit about um, I mean I first saw you play sometime in the early 2000s and um, I think you had just got back from a pretty big stint in New York so what I want to know is kind of what happens for you that's important through school here and where do you sort of get to and go to from there in terms of your your scholastic education, but also like your musical oh, okay, education. Okay, okay. Just, just what, 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 what sort of steps uh, can we fill in? In terms of my education, musical education, I, I did. Um, I had a bit of a fear about that because I, I didn't read very well, and even though I, I've, uh, I actually write pretty well. Like yeah, I can write that way, but it's a struggle for me to read back the other. Not so much these days, but. Growing up, I really didn't like. I didn't even like reading. I'd yeah. just listen to something and, and figure yeah. it out. Yeah. And I, it would, I didn't find that hard to do. Whereas I found reading really super hard. It was almost like worse. It was like right. pu- pushing a car uphill, and 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 li- listening to music was like getting in it and letting it coast downhill. Like there was no effort involved. Really, sometimes I'd have to think about what a chord was or what an interval was or da 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 but I really found the world the the the, the listening world of music um, natural to me and the visual world visual world of it just completely foreign. Yeah. Um, and I didn't like that. I had that one I think I, I was f- fairly happy with all aspects of music I'd encountered except that gnarly little one and that was like a big one because that would have cut me out from career choices and stuff like that. So, but I didn't care actually. I just thought, well, it doesn't matter. I, I can figure shit out. In fact, I could play gigs. I didn't even even know know the music. Yeah. You could just go, okay, well, it's in this key. They've it's gone to this chord. It's likely to go to this chord for the bridge, and it'll that melody is probably be repeated. And you know, so you like you can figure stuff out without even knowing it sometimes. And um, actually, that's. The skill you want to develop because that's the one that's going to save your ass. Yeah, and that's what it's about. It's, it's so in every performance you go into, you can't possibly know what you're going to do because then you uh, bore yourself, and if you're boring yourself, you're boring everyone else, and so you can't be safe. You've got to go and take some risks. You've got to jump into some territory you've never ever been in before, yeah. so that you ha- you get out of it. You have to create a problem to solve every time you perform. And if you're not doing that, then you're not really breathing. You're just, you may as well not be doing it. And that's the thing about it. That makes all the difference. And so 
I suppose you could say that's a, that's allowing chaos, but it's also just you get really sharp at keeping that enemy as close as possible. In fact, you dance with it the whole time, and it's the enemy that might corrupt the whole shebang. You you could you could fail. It's a big risk, but you've got to be as close to that as you possibly can, and that's really all you ever need to do. It doesn't really matter the content of what you're doing. You could be doing that on one chord or one string or what it's just it's the it's what it means that matters. And so all the details of music, which I love to get um uh I love to find it's like the physics of it, you know, the science of, I yeah. love those details. Yeah. A lot of musicians do, but they don't matter in the end. What matters in the end is you you absorb it into your ability to manipulate and then you just walk that little you just hang on to some space that isn't even there yet and you and you create out of that now those details are what i wanted to know about as i grew up and i i i, I pretty much in a funny kind of way i'm i'm self-taught in that i've gone and found a lot of my own sources for for training um and I did do some time at a couple of universities. I spent a little bit of time at Vic University and a little bit of time, in, at, funnily enough, at Juilliard in New York. And um, But most of the... By the time I was already doing that, I'd already been gigging. and Yeah. I knew that you just need to know some tunes and you and when the singer doing that in this key and then da 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 and you, yeah. and you make sure the money's there. And you know, I mean, I'd lived like that, so... Um, what I wanted to cover by going into schools was just how how to how to how to do stuff I didn't know how to do, which was like maybe some things about larger ensemble writing and and orchestrations and and just the the way music works outside of um, what I was used to, well, like outside of regular forms that I was used to, like sort of song forms or AAB structures or you know common common fairly um, easy to understand structures yeah. and things like that um, and I was fascinated with 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 people like monk um, and especially monk who who seemed to create their own worlds of of tones and harmonic languages and rhythmical languages and, and, and more importantly idiosyncrasies that were unique to them and 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 it seemed to me that those were, were the stars in the sky that people like Monk and, and Miles and, and Beethoven and Stravinsky and it, that they're the stars that are burning fresh stuff and 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 putting it out into the into the universe so to speak um, and I wanted to be I wanted to understand that, and I wanted. Uh, that's where I felt good to to be, is to look in um, odd places for things that that I might be able to create out of, especially when I run out of ideas myself. So, um, and I, I'm still doing that, but but um, and I'm still learning, and I I, re I read a lot, and I study a lot, and and um, so. What's changed my um, understanding of music um, in terms of how to put it together? And I think I'm just talking about 
Um, the main difference, I think, between improvised music, improvised bass music, or jazz, if you like, uh, is that that's a, that's a very deep river of language that that's got something to say and and it's and it's it's doing a job yeah and um and that's a very profound uh and dark thing that has happened upon the earth that humans have done to humans and um this music really is a is a channel for for something to come out about that and 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 exactly what i don't know it's a and if you're in faith with that, or, or if you hear that, then you you're part of it. And um, and other forms of music that aren't that um, are more individual. Like um, we all want to be individual, and we all want to belong to a group. It's almost like we we we. We, we see ourselves either as an indi individual but amongst a group. Yeah, yeah. And so therefore different to everyone in the group but within our group different to all those other groups. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this was fascinating to me because I did this mathematical project in, in Paris where I studied the guy who, who, who invented group theory. And it's not group theory like I've just said. It's, it, mathematically it's something a bit different but it, it does relate a group a group in mathematics is any system of, let's say, numbers, for now, um, that that has um, a, an identity element and uh, what do you call zero? I forget. Anyway, so um, under under multiplication, multiplication, one is the identity element. That means when you do a transformation using the identity element the answer is the same as the as the as the the product is the same yeah. as the as the factor so 3 times 1 is 3 so 3 is unchanged under multiplication with 1 so 1 is regarded under multiplication as the identity element now under addition 0 is the identity element 1 plus 0 is 1 it's yeah. still 1 but this was fascinating to me when I found out about this. It's a very simple concept. Is and so any, in so and and a group is anything that, under that, um, transformer, say the under multiplication, that any element is transformed into another element of the same group. So, in the group of whole numbers under multiplication. One is the identity element, and all other numbers that you multiply or divide yeah. end up still being a whole number. So th that means that's the group of whole numbers is is um, has integrity. It, it, but if if you like multiplied one by three and got one time one point six, then that's no longer a part of the group because it's not a whole number. Right. Yeah. So that's what a group is, and this this immediately was profound musical suggestion because when you're talking about twelve tones in a, in an octave, yeah, 
And now we're going to get back to the intervals. Like, why is a major third <laughs> happy and why is a minor third sad? Well, there's 12 intervals per octave. And in the old European uh, way of, of naming the intervals, now naming's a very important part of understanding, like what you were saying, something you said before. Um, there are three kinds of intervals. And even now I've just said, why is a major third happy and yeah, a minor yeah, third? Yeah. Well, I've named, they're both thirds though. One's a major third and one's a minor third. Or you could say one's an open third and one's a, a dark third, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, in the old system of naming, of the uh, European system of naming intervals, they had a concept that there were three different kinds of intervals. Perfect or consonant and imperfect but still consonant or dissonant. That's it. Um, and this is interesting, the, the difference between perfect and imperfect, because the imperfect intervals are the thirds and the sixths, which which are the sweetest sounding ones. Yeah. The, I mean, to me, they're the, they the perfect ones, but that's not what it means. Perfect means final, or no need to change, right? Yeah. Imperfect means leading to final. Yeah. Leading to being perfect doesn't mean wrong, and then uh, dissonant means wrong. So, but then um, you get away with doing some wrong ones sometimes, as long as you've done this with that and that with that. So, yeah. the, Im the immediate thing in music is that as soon as you define a little what you could call a rule or a law or a principle, there's an immediate contradiction to it, steps in and goes, ah, yes, but uh, but I can do this, this way, right? Um, so it's full of chaos and it's full of rules that break themselves. Yeah. It's great. And we all break the rules. That's how you get something different happening, because if you didn't do that, then that will, th that's the end of it all, isn't it? Anyway, so getting back to this group, 12 tones in an octave means actually, if you just look at it purely mathematically, you're dealing with the number 12 or the, the number, the, the base 12 of a number system. And 12 is a very interesting number. Yeah, I was thinking that when you your first mention of it, I was like 12 is a big part of structure for not just music, but... Hours you know, in the day, all of that, months yeah, yeah, in yeah, the year, yeah, yeah, yeah. degrees in a circle. Yeah. Um, And, and the thing about 12, as opposed to 10, which we orient ourselves a lot around, maybe because we've got 10 fingers, um, is that 12 divides a bunch of times, quite beautifully. Yeah, yeah. So it'll divide in, in half, and in thirds, and in quarters, and in sixths. Um, and will always lead back to a number that belongs to the group of numbers between... 1 and 12, or actually let's include 0 in that. So I, I sort of realised, oh man, an octave is a group, and the identity element of an octave is, is the unison, or the octave itself, and all the other uh, intervals within the octave are elements of the group that when transformed under the unison or the octave still come out as themselves, but when transformed under a, another interval, like combined with another interval, come out as a different 
uh, interval or note within the octave, right? Yeah, so yeah. bang, there it is. There's the system yeah. right there. So um, anyway, I don't want to get too deep into that because a lot of people won't understand <laughs> it. But 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 for me, that's really revealing, yeah, yeah, no, no, and no, no, it gives no. me some yeah. tools to like jump around happily in in what I feel is is an unexplored territory for yeah. myself. And it's not sitting down reading music or da la la. It's just thinking about uh, actual numbers and, and funnily enough, rhythms because the number 12 is full of rhythms. It's full of uh, two against three, three against four, two against four, two against six, four against six, da 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 da, da right? Now, to go back to what we're talking about in terms of um, different things manifesting in different ways but relate like yeah. so music can relate to the way the way notes and music relate to each other is the way colors relate to each other and yeah. the way yeah, yeah. rhythms relate is the way um forms and structures relate and da, da 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 well actually the way rhythms relate also relates to the way notes relate because notes are just faster rhythms and if you take a um a one to two rhythm like so for every two beats, I do yeah. one beat. Yeah. So that's a one to two relationship or one to two ratio. So you could imagine uh, a planet and a moon, like the planets go for every two times the planet orbits the star, the moon orbits the planets. Uh, every one time the planet orbits yeah, the yeah. moon orbits, right? Yeah, so yeah. you go, oh, okay, that's doing that. And if you were to hear that, if you listen to those planets... And you can imagine a rotating planet is like a vibrating string. Yeah, yeah. Or an orbiting planet, right? You would hear an octave. You'd hear the fundamental tone, la, and you'd hear la. The moon would make that note, and the planet would make the lower note. Because that's a one-to-two relationship. Because when you make a fundamental tone, let's say it's vibrating at 440 hertz, if you, the, the note directly one octave above that is going to be vibrating at 880 hertz, twice 440 so the one to two relationship produces an octave and every interval within the octave is a ratio it's a, a set of relationships like and they come from what's known as the harmonic series which is a a prevalent phenomena in all of nature in all of everything the harmonic series is very very um influential in in, in our world and particularly in music but particularly in our world and the story of how that the discovery of the harmonic series is fascinating one. It's accredited to Pythagoras, who heard different notes being produced by different hammers and anvils in a blacksmith that he was walking past and wondered why some of them went together nicely yeah, yeah, yeah. to get back to these sort of musical ideas of yeah. consonances and dissonances. And when some of them didn't go together nicely, and so he happy, went home... Happy clags and unhappy clags. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, where he went home and... Um, reproduced the effect of that which I think is his stroke of genius which he took weights and attached them to strings of yeah. equal length yeah so and he know and then he vibrated the strings and and what he found was that weights of whole number relationships to one another meaning one kilogram two kilograms three kilograms four kilograms not 3.3 kilograms but whole number relationships yeah, yeah. sounded good together the notes they produced on the strings sounded good. And of course, when you put a two kilogram weight on the same length of string as a one kilogram weight, you're doubling the tension on the string, so you're gonna get an octave higher. 
So, and when you put a three kilogram weight on a string the same length as the one kilogram string, you're gonna get um, three times the tension on the string, and you're gonna get an octave and a fifth higher. So you're gonna get, and that that's called the third harmonic, the fundamental is called the first harmonic, then the second, then the third. So what's happening is the um, strings are beating faster as you add each whole number, or the number of beats that fit into one second is is um, been um, divided. So it's so the two kilogram weights giving you and 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 if you get the same effect if you had half the length of string with the same tension yeah. on it as the whole right so that's the harmonic series is one over one one over two one over three one over four to infinity and that's what the natural musical scales are based on but it's not what the piano is tuned to it's cheated because there's some, yeah. some other ideas in there but anyway so getting back to that 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 that's means that an octave and a fifth, so that means like the perfect fifth, like the typical drone on a bagpipe, yeah. is a two to three ratio because the the first octave of the fundamental is going twice as fast as, as the fundamental. The fifth above that first octave is going three times as fast as the fundamental. So for every three times that beats, the first octave is beating two times. So that's a two to three ratio. This is this. Now, if you sped that up so that it became notes, you'd hear a perfect fifth. Yeah. So it's the same language. It's just going a lot faster. Yeah. So the language of rhythm is manifest also in 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 the the language of harmony. And so just that alone, the fact that rhythm and harmony are the same thing, they just occur to our senses differently, means probably that the whole of nature is the same thing and it occurs to our senses differently. So speed that, speed sound up and you get light. And yet all those vibrational relationships that are present in rhythm and in harmony are present in light, which manifest as colour and tone and shape and da 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 da, right? So you could say, extrapolate that and then go, make, make, go slower. And, and you get out of the field of rhythm yeah. and you start to get into the field of force and st such things like gravity and and the way that these um, long waves behave. And so therein, to me, uh, to my mind, and I probably sound like a weirdo here, but to my mind, music is a window into the natural language of the universe. And music oddly enough, on, on the human realm and in the animal realm, it transcends all other uh, forms of communication, speaks directly to us, yeah. speaks emotionally to us, speaks technically to us if we want, and, um, and allows people from all areas of life to relate yeah, yeah. and have some sense of understanding and... and, and, and in the journeys of others, and not just the journeys of individual lives, but the journeys of whole cultures and whole fields of interactions that have either happened harmoniously or dissonantly. Yeah, yeah. And the, everything's mapped out there. To me, music is 
a map of the universe. Now you have you have all of that and obviously so much more in your head but you have it in your head and you also as you just proved you're able to articulate that. My question at this point is um, how are you you strike me currently particularly as being really quite prolific, quite busy, quite across several different things, lots of projects. Mm. You just scored the pork pie remake, mm. uh, full movie score. You've um, ha- had a couple of albums by this New York-based trio out in, in the last three years. Um, you turn up to play solo piano gigs. You've got this duo with uh, Ross Burge, yeah. which... I've yet to see, unfortunately. I really want to see that. Spot's called Spanner. Spanner, yeah. Yeah, because the name didn't arrive at first, did it? Like, you guys, or was it always there? I felt like you guys were just doing shows. As no, no, I think, I think we had that name pretty oh, early okay. on. So, like, okay. what should we call ourselves? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, there's all this stuff going on. Now, for some people, carrying all of that stuff in their head and whatever else is in their head that you just articulated, they might struggle to get out of bed in the morning. Like the weight of that might be just enough, in either a really bad way or in a really pleasing way. That that getting their head around that might, is a life's work for someone. So what I kind of want to what I want to get at is how have you learned to um, how have you learned to filter and process that and then apply yourself like physically to the music because it sounds like you're doing enough wider theory for want of a term mm. which obviously helps you to understand your way in the world and also to shape the activities that you're doing but how do you actually put yourself in that zone of doing the, the actual work um, well I the, there's one thing I read about I don't know who it was that said it I think it was an opera producer or something like that and he said this you know, you know what a composer needs to write music and you know, this is like um, peace uh, time uh, yeah. there's no a deadline yeah and uh, apparently uh, most of the overtures that they, all those great overtures that those were written like the night before totally. the show you know yeah yeah so there's something to be said for that oh yeah I mean the worst thing you can do to a writer is not give them a deadline. They're not going to deliver. Mm. Like, but give them a deadline, and they'll. And I, I'm saying that from my own experience. You mm. know, when I had a, when I had a daily deadline, uh, it was fine. Like, mm. not every single piece was good. Yeah. But every single like piece it was just finished. You know, and I well, yeah, it was finished yeah. to the level that it could be published. Yeah. You can yeah. always, you know, there's something to be said for again, like Lord Michaels, the producer of Saturday Night Live. I think his his quote is great that. Uh, you know they've done 42 seasons of the show and he said sometime early on um, the show doesn't go on because it's ready the show goes on because it's 10.30 right you know whatever time I think yeah. it's 10.30 it starts on yeah. Sunday night yeah you know we yeah. just that's our weekly deadline we yeah. work towards and yeah. so it's not always going to be perfect mm. but we're not going to let the people down in the sense that we might let them down with the quality, but we're not going to let them down. Yeah. There's something to be said for turning up, which yeah. I've always been a big, a big sort of believer in. Like, mm. if I don't have a, a project or a deadline, then I'll just sit around and do nothing. You know, like, 
Yeah. So that's what fires me. So yeah. is that is that what it is for you? Yeah, you've just got to show up. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Now I also wanted to pick on you for uh, you uh, go back to you seemed very apologetic when you mumbled, "Oh yeah, I went to Juilliard." You. Oh. Uh, <laughs> what is it about that? Was that is that? Uh, well, that was quite cool. It was. Uh, I just actually what it was was I because it just seems like something that someone shouldn't be embarrassed about. And I don't uh, imagine that you are. But no, no, I'm is not it, embarrassed is it, about is it. Is it just the the idea of what that is in the context of who you are that you know people could look at that as a highlight when it wasn't? It was just a step on the journey. Or, no, I wouldn't or, call it a highlight. What What was interesting about it was that I, I I think I don't know this for sure, but I think I met Stan. I mean, Stanley Wolf was my composition and harmony teacher. Yeah. And, um, uh, I think he taught Zappa and Monk, but I'm not sure. I, I like to think that's wow. true. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, I, and I remember I mentioned Monk to him once, and he, and he got this little smile on his face. He didn't say anything. Yeah, because, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, it was a funny experience. I, I was only there for one semester, but um, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, I, it was, at, it was at the point that I had been in New York for. So, what do you first go to New York for? What what takes you there? Oh, just music. Just yeah, just, just absolutely was the know that this is a place I've cent- got a centre yeah. of most of the music that I my world revolved around. Uh-huh. Sort of had to. And so, how old are you when you go there? Quite old. I I went there at twenty six. Uh-huh. Um, yes. If I'd had if I'd had a with the plan of not just experiencing this music but making music there too. Oh yeah, totally yeah, yeah. with the plan yeah. of living there and and, and working. Just, yeah, 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 just being. Well, in a way, uh, I'd been doing film, writing film music and stuff, and I, I, I didn't, I really wanted to develop as a player and just be in a, a landscape full of people who were uh, just challengingly good and 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 and, and happening and uh, among amongst a wider culture of stuff and yeah. it's there you know New York's New York there's nothing like it it's one of the places um so that was that and and that was in the early 90s which was a certain kind of period yeah it's not like that now it, um and it wasn't like that before it was um it was cool and uh in the first month or two I don't know after a while I thought shit I gotta do something I can't just it takes a minute to sort of get in, you know. Uh, I thought I better do something, otherwise I'll, I'm going to crap out. And so I enrolled in in Juilliard, not for the um, standard uh, program, but uh, they, they had a sort of what they called a night school, which wasn't a night school at all. But it's just you could take part time courses there. So I uh, I went to see went to see them and I met this guy Stanley Wolf. He said, well, you need to bring me some work of yours. I said, oh, I don't have any with me. He said, well, you, you, you work, the thing's closing in two, applications are closing in two days. If you, You've got to bring me some scores. And I went, okay. So I went away and I checked into a hotel, Hotel Edison up Midtown, worst place to stay. But anyway, all I was interested in doing is going in and just writing something in a, this hotel room. So I, I went and I pulled out of my head 
um, couple of pieces I'd written for a movie, you know, with sort of orchestrations and stuff, and sat there for two days just making myself do this thing, and then I took, I took them, to, I took them to him. <laughs> I gave him the scores. He went, ah, oh, great, and he sat back and he started reading through me. <laughs> And after about half a line, he put it down and he said, it's pretty boring. <laughs> he didn't say boring, but that was his thing. Yeah, yeah. He said, I, something like, <laughs> yeah, it's anyway, he, yeah. Said, he said, but um, you're in. And so, so I, he said, welcome to Julia. <laughs> no, we're not fucking hell. And so, <laughs> so I went and, and he gave, now at this point, you know, my experience of needing to write was based on two things that had happened to me. One is I'd been getting work as a film composer, so I had deadlines, and, and necessary pieces that had to do necessary jobs yeah, yeah. for certain things. And the other one was just writing whenever inspiration struck, like for tunes for, for a band, for my yeah. band or something, or particularly when life moments happened, like someone died or, you know, it was a big emotionally impactive yeah. thing happened and I'd, I'd I'd get filled with music and I'd write it and I'd but I had this idea that the music was specifically meant for a certain occasion or da 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 yeah, or, yeah. or the film music for a certain scene and stuff so yeah. my music that I was writing up until that point had always been to go with something either with a life yeah, moment yeah. or yeah. A, and and so the first cl class um he said, okay, we'll write a piece for uh, piano and clarinet or something like that. And I went, that's your homework for the, for the next week. And I went home and I thought, what the hell is that? Like, how do you write a piece as an academic exercise? I had no idea how to approach that. And possibly I was being a bit, um, I might have had an attitude about it or something. Anyway, so I, I worked on a piece and I couldn't get very far with it. I had a beautiful beginning that I was attracted to developing but I got lost and I didn't know how to finish it and so I took and everyone had their pieces and they gave them to this brilliant sight reader who's read yeah. everyone's work and everything and then I sheepishly put mine on the thing I'd written about half of it and I said look I'm sorry I haven't finished it and he said it's alright put it on and the guy read through it actually it sounded good I liked it and I, um, but it, you know it ran out and he said well alright so next week write a piece for solo violin da, da, da. and then I never wrote another piece after that for the whole semester I didn't every week and it got so that he would go he'd just look at me and I'd go I'd just shake my head <laughs> not, not today everyone would bring their pieces and he'd just look at me and I'd just shake my head and then and finally in the end he went Jonathan what the hell are you doing here <laughs> <laughs> and you were thinking the same thing <laughs> yeah but I mean there was a lot more that yeah. that happened I I um I did other classes. I did a um, orchestration class with this guy called Lawrence Widows, who was a fascinating guy. He just told stories the whole time of his experience of working with. He met Miles, and it, My, Miles was like had something to do with his daughter, and would hang out, and and uh, and he worked with Hollywood orchestras. And he had all these stories about yeah inside stories about stuff, even works that I knew, and he yeah. would have. You know, when the violin section was something, or the, the trombone player was this, and he was shooting up in the bathroom, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Colourful world of shit. Yeah. 
And actually, then you realise all the stuff that you've come to know and love is just the tip of the iceberg of some fucking chaos that's been going on yeah. to get it there. Yeah, right? yeah. It's fascinating. Anyway, so that, that was quite cool, and, and I, I, I worked quite hard on that. Um, but getting back to Stanley Wolf, he, said, he finally said, John, what the fuck are you doing here? And I said, I'm so sorry, I just can't bring myself to write for a class. I just, yeah. I don't know what to do. It's not real enough. It's and and I don't know the violins very well. I mean, I don't, I don't know what, I, I'm sorry, I'm just failing at everything. He said, well, what have you written? And I thought, I've got a bunch of, I've got a show reel, you know, because you yeah, have yeah. a show reel to get work yeah. and everything. He said, well, bring that. <laughs> so, so I brought my show reel, you know, and, and I had like all big orchestral works. I, I had a lot of stuff on it. Yeah. And, and he, so he played, the, he said, all right, well, Jonathan, you know, he, you probably haven't written anything this week, have you? I said, no. And he said, did you, did you bring the tape? And I said, yeah. He said, right, well, let's play something from your tape, for Christ's sake. And so he played the thing, and 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 and, and sort of I looked around the room after the, it finished, and, and everyone sort of looked at me and nodded and stuff, and he said, well, let's hear the next one. And, so, so, so. and he ended up playing the whole tape for the whole class. This is like stuff like Ruby and Rat. Yeah, all like, that stuff. All, all of yeah, like, some yeah, small those stuff and, things, and, yeah. and, and some of my group, small group. Yeah, writing. yeah. It, 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 fuck, and then I just thought, yeah, what am I doing here? It's like, but by that time, that was took about three months to to sort of yeah. arrive at that, and I was getting gigs by then. I'd, I'd gotten the house band of this thing and... Um, I sort of made my way in, and and I didn't really think playing I should with, do Juilliard anymore. Playing with great players, uh, well, just or sort of entry level yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like actually, the way the I don't know how. I mean, the way you you get in is you just show up, Turn you know, up. like yeah. And but I I got a gig playing in the house band of a jam session that ran two nights a week. And that means you play with a lot of people and, and, and people show up after their gigs and stuff. So you get a chance to play with a range of players and people who are established and hooked up and, and uh, all of them good. I mean, yeah. you know, ranges of good yeah, yeah, to great yeah, yeah. and stuff. But the m important thing is that you play with people and they play with you and they get to hear you and you get to, yeah, you, to form alliances you and whatnot. You moves and they all grab yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah all yeah. of that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then just try and get gigs so that you can call some of these people up and, and ask them if they want to do a gig. So that was the main thing that I went, I've got to get a gig. Like, got to get my own gig so I can make my own calls. Yeah. And i got to get playing with other people too. And, and that's basically... You know, once you're doing that, you, it's it's up to you what you make of it. And so you're there doing that for the better part of a decade. Yeah, I think I was there seven or eight years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it, yeah, there's, that's it. And you know, you know, and getting back to what you were, and I, I return there every. I maintain yeah. my um, contact there, and I have pro, active projects yeah. there every year and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but I don't live. I don't tend to live there. Sometimes I stay there half a year, but it depends. But anyway, um, you know, as a get older man, I I think. I think this happened. So I played bass a lot when I was younger, and in fact, I played bass a lot with Ross Burge, and that's why recently, when I returned to New York, uh, New Zealand, about two years ago, I, I wanted to play, bass, with someone I just called Ross. Because I've only ever played bass with Ross. Right. 
So I don't think of myself <laughs> as a keyboard player with Ross. Yeah, right. Getting back to what you yeah, were saying. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Interesting. You stay in the world yeah. of where you... Yes. What, what makes you feel you're that thing. So you don't think you've done a gig with him where you've been at, sat at the piano? No, I don't think so. Ah. And, and that's what I like to do. Like, I hate... I would hate to go and do a show where I played bass and piano, for example. It's right. Just, I, I just yeah. feel so shit doing that because, one, it, I don't like doing that and two I, when I sit at the piano I'm a pianist yeah. and, and when I'm playing the bass I'm a bass player and I don't want to join those two things occasionally I have done that but yeah. it depends what it is and why yeah. like I play with this band New Farb and it's Julian Dine and Chris O'Connor and, and, and Brent Parks and Brent's playing um, Parks is playing synth keyboard bass stuff on yeah. synth and triggering some samples. Julian's triggering a lot of samples and playing kit drums and, and and Chris is playing a very colourful drum kit with a lot of percussion and stuff like that. So it's real drum heavy, rhythm heavy and stuff yeah, and yeah, sample heavy. Yeah. Some of those samples aren't 440, they're out of tune. Yeah. And I play bass in that groove and, and Rhodes. So I do actually combine that, but that's partly because that music's not really, it's, it's so rhythmical and it's and half of the samples aren't in tune. I yeah. have to play a different way and so yeah. I'm I'm happy to jump on that. Yeah. It's like another it's just Jonathan has come out to do that. That's constantly colouring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm not play, sitting being a pianist and playing no. chords and stuff, just making That's what I say, noise just, and just colouring and yeah. just and just grabbing from the toolbox. Yeah. And you have these separate components that you can combine yeah. for yeah. that sort of thing. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So that's that's but I also think it just keeps things simply. It's always you I I always need a boundary. I always need to know I can't there's something I can't yeah. do. Yeah. And then I I know where I can operate within and I get in, super inventive in it. And then I might choose to break that knowing, rule of not not being able to do something. Knowing your confines and that's going, right. going this is the panic I'm in. That's right. Is, and, yeah. and in fact that's given me insight into yeah. composition because yeah, I'll sit down and I'll just go okay. Let me just choose three things that I'm going to fuck with until I get a groove on it, and then that actually informs what I'm doing, and 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 it forms its own beauty and its own logic. So you come back to New Zealand in like the late '90s or early 2000s, I think early yeah, 2000, yeah. and yeah. I want to tell you about um, the first time I saw you play because it was a gig up at the Space. Oh wow! And I think it was sort of built in a way. And, and you know these stories become sort of you know stretched with time right. and mem- memory of what actually went down and what it was about but in my mind this was sort of billed as a kind of homecoming type thing like it was one really? of your in the sense that it, you must have just got back or something at least and it was a trio it was you and Chris O'Connor and Patrick Blinkley. was it? Okay. and and it, I think it was the first time I'd been to the space maybe I'd been one other time but it was certainly the very early days of the space, and it was a Saturday night, and it was packed because uh-huh. you know, you know, it wasn't always packed. Like so, right. you know, niche niche music there meant that sometimes a great audience was just eight people that loved it. But yeah, this yeah, was yeah. jam packed, like right. people standing at the back, and it was the first time I had. You know, I probably found out later on that I had, had actually heard Patrick before, but it was the first time I'd seen or heard any of you, and it had like. A really profound effect on me. I just was cool. blown away by this music. It was cool. a, it was a pretty straight 
trio jazz right. gig. It right. was, you know, you guys were all doing great things, but it right. wasn't like when I say pretty straight, particularly for the space, because right. you know, things, yeah, yeah, things tended to go quite way out there. But it was, it was uh, the first time I saw. I remember being absolutely astonished and blown away by Chris O'Connor. Which to this day I am, you know, oh, like yeah. and, and 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 with all of you, and I don't think I talked to you after that. I think I probably would have not been able to, and I think everyone else was talking to you. But I just, um, you know, it, it, it lit such a kind of fire for me. I kind of went, "This is amazing." I, and and it, you know, this is terrible. I sound so inarticulate. I'm supposed to fucking write about music, but <laughs> all I can think to say about it was it was astonishing and quite sort of unbelievable to me that there were people that lived in the same city as me that could do this, right. you know, which was, uh, which, you know, cause this is over 15 years ago. So I was and probably, I was probably about the age you were when you first went to New York yeah. and me going to the space that night was on a weird level. Maybe that was like my version of going to New York, you know, right. for a night or something like right. just seeing that. I wanted to tell you that because um, I would have I would have wanted to talk to you for this podcast anyway because I've sort of followed lots of what you've done ever since then. But your name is one that has in the journey of doing this podcast. Your name is one that keeps coming up with people because I've, oh, really? I've talked to like Miley and Ricky Gooch and David Long and you know lots of people that have been making music around here for a long time. So your name comes up as a uh, you know, an, an influence, a band member, but also like a kind of one of the teachers of a lot of these people's lives, mm. you know. Uh, so if I had somehow never heard of you and heard your music to identify, the number of times your name's been mentioned, I would have wanted to talk to you for that. Oh, cool. So um, I don't really know where I'm going with that beyond the fact I really wanted to put that across to you. It's, it's interesting to me, you've, you're sort of, a, you're one of these people who, what you've gone and done, and, and the way that you've, I guess, brought it back, mm. what you've brought back with you, um, means that you've become a sort of educator yeah. in and of yourself to a lot of, yeah. you know, like my Ali was talking about just how, you know, it was an education working with you. And Rick, mm. Ricky has said the same. And, and no doubt you get things from yeah, those of sorts of players too, yeah, which is yeah. which is the whole, you know, musical relationship, how it works. Yeah. But it's interesting, yeah, you're, you're sort of seen as this kind of informal, if you, like, if you like, educator. I think that's right. I feel like that. And and um, I remember coming back and hearing Rick, he was he was playing on a kit, little kit up at Quinn Shaw Williams's pad on Taranaki Street and, and hearing not so much what he was playing but the sound he made. Yeah. Um, and it's... it's Drummers who make a really distinctive sound are quite rare. I mean, everyone's got their sound. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Rick's got that. That's just Rick that we yeah. hear what, the way Rick plays. Nobody else hits it like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And Bruno was like that. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of drummers that, that that do that. But and so I was um, quite blown away by hearing Rick, and that was the beginning of a great relationship, great musical relationship. And and actually, what it, and then I realised that um, there was a lot because when I left, I what ninety three left in ninety three came back two thousand. So within that time, there's a whole a whole new generation or so yeah, of yeah, people yeah. that were doing stuff that knew who I was. Yeah, and um, 
so and they listened to what I said which was amazing to me because they were open to like they said well what what I don't know but they just seemed to be listening and I was very conscious that in fact what I had wanted to do was somehow officially make some sort of circuit between New Zealand and New York. For years I tried to get funding to do this. Because yeah. I realised, it's re like we were talking about, um, to compose, you, you've got to have something fresh in your mind that isn't yours, that doesn't hasn't come from you. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, that's what, that's what I'm doing in my life. I, I travel a lot and I'm always filling myself with stuff that's outside of myself and then I, you know, like the chess play, you can yeah. swap it around. Yeah. And so I thought, well, let me just, like, make that a... Let me establish a circuit that I, I'll just maintain that and stuff will grow out of it. And um, so, but... And I've, I've, I've attempted to do these sort of things officially, or I say officially, but, you know, create projects and schemes and that. But actually... In the end, I just thought, fuck, I'm just going to live my life and then, yeah. you know, let whatever happens happen um, and get as much work done as I can. But what I really noticed that then is that I churned through a lot of young players. Like, I, I, yeah. I in New York, I learned the value of residencies, playing the same spot every week with the same, if not always the same cats, the, the same, same... consistency, the same level. Yeah. Yeah. And and because then you grow stuff, and then you an audience will develop, and then yeah, then you get a dialogue happening with you the establish a musical personality as a combo, whatever the yeah. separate elements are, so people go for that sound, the collective personality. Yeah, yeah. and the and the audience comes along the journey too. Yeah. So then you yeah. start being able to fine tune those sorts of things and 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 mature them and that sort of thing so i tried to create as many regular gigs in wellington as i could when i first came yeah back. And, and i i i got about four of them going it was the havana yep. bar actually which started off as lucky's juice joint um uh the matterhorn um blondinis and what was the other one? I seem to have another one in my head. There was, anyway, at least those three. Oh, Motel. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but I, I just I went to watch for regular play spots, for a while. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that way, I thought, okay, let me meet everyone. Because yeah. I realised, fuck, there's a whole new generation of people. I, yeah. I don't know what they're doing. So I just went through everyone I could and played with everyone. And in the, just the Havana gig alone, I mean, Rick and I played that for a long time until... Yeah. We sort of played each other out for a while, and then um, my alley, and then Ruben, and you know different rhythm sections, and yeah. So, and in and in that sense, I just I just taught everyone what I'd learnt in New York, and especially with music that you don't have um, a lot of accessibility to here, like Latin music. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and just. Um, yeah, I mean, and that's what you tend to do. That's what musicians do. Actually. Yeah, that's right. That's we all right. do it. Yeah, that's why music is what it is. Yeah, and that's why influences spread and why cross pollinations happen. And I mean, that's how it happens. And the thing about um, 
it's very nice that and the, the 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 thing you can easily begin to feel in New Zealand as a musician is that you're not really wanted or 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 even needed. Yeah, required. Yeah. Um, because you might you you know you're reaching deep into yourself to pull something out, and then someone's like, "Oh, did you do this the other day?" And, you know, they've got to yeah. stand there with a beer, and it's like, "Fuck, man, you just trot all over my ship." Yeah, and yeah. you know, some people are there like with you. Yeah, doing, yeah, yeah. Having actually having their life changed. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you, you know what it is. Yeah. You're a writer, like. Yeah. Okay, so when you sit down to write, it's maybe maybe everyone works a bit different. I know a girl who writes in Berlin. She. Um, when she's writing, her she get her, her hearing gets super sensitive, and you make the slightest noise, she goes nuts because she like drop a teaspoon and she fucking go nuts because some uh, I don't know she's weird like that, but you know a lot of us are weird. Yeah. But it's about mental space, and so when you're writing or going to sleep, yeah, you can handle stuff going on, but not if it's coming into your Intrusive. zone, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. if you're going to sleep and someone s- says something like. Ah, oh, had a really great. Oh man, that sunset's so nice. Or, or, or you know, whatever they say, something that's not doesn't require a response. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. You can still yeah. be going to sleep. But yeah. if they say, "Hey, do you need to get up early in the morning?" and you suddenly go, "Oh, well, fuck, I've got yeah. to answer," and then you're not going to sleep anymore. Yeah, just... well, it's the same thing when you're writing. If if someone busts into your, you can might hear that someone's talking to someone over there or, or they're vacuuming or what, whatever's going on, but it's not interrupt. It's not in, in between you and your muse, let's say. You did a solo piano album a while ago that, oh, yeah. uh, that I remember actually my Ali sent it to me and said, you've, got, oh, to, you've got to listen to this. This is, you know. Rita's Blue Riverstone. Yeah. yeah. And, that was, and that was that was beautiful. Oh, cool. Um, are you... Yeah, I guess to do something like that again. Yeah, yeah, I've got, I've, I've got. Uh, is that one of the ones that's or? No, no, the solo is, is is easy in that. You 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 just drop your. Um, well, that 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 record came out of a a, a recorded concert, so it wasn't right. really yeah planned as a project, except that. It was recorded so that if it was any good, it, 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 yeah, I could, could put feed, it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do have a, a, a couple of ideas for uh, some solo work, which I'm not quite ready to sit down and do yet. But these concerts that I'm doing at the moment are, are, are partly on the way to that. And... Um, yeah, I've got a fairly ambitious project for solo piano, which, which I, I don't think I'll mention yet because it'll yeah, make yeah. me feel like I've got to do it. <laughs> got to do. Well, I, I visited Mike Mike Knock last oh, cool. year. I met him. I hadn't met him, and I and did a podcast with him. And he was went to his house, and he was great. One of the things he said to me might have been off tape actually. This, uh, uh, at one point, he said um, something came up about. I think he was too, he was talking about your album the most recent Dark light, yeah. probably. Yeah, and he said uh, when Jonathan's got his shit together, there's basically no one better. Did he? And so I, I, thought, I, I thought it would be nice to pass that on because I imagine you have some sort of relationship with him in terms of you, you're aware of him and uh, I imagine he means something to you on... Yeah, the main point... 
being when, when he's got his shit together. Well, that, well Mike, you, get, you never get anything out of Mike without a yeah. And like, but is it that, amazing? But like is really it that cool? And is yeah, it that? Great. I mean, is it that a great? Is it that a really great compliment to have, for him to have that awareness because uh, he knows what it's like. Like he knows. No, that's actually really good to hear. That's going to make me work. Yeah, Mike's amazing. He's he's Mike. Yeah, Mike has um. Uh, He's he's one of those people who's not one of those people. Yes. He's yep. just uh, he's Mike Knock, and he um, he's made his his way, and he's made yeah a, a, a huge contribution to. Yeah, I was gonna say he's done the work. He does yeah. he does a lot of work. Yeah. I, I walked out of his house. He walked me to the train station because it was a, about a 15-minute walk and he didn't want me to get lost. He's yeah. like, oh, I like to get some exercise. So he walked me to the train station, shook my hand, gave me a hug, said, you know, I really enjoyed this. You know, keep in touch. See you later. And I uh, got on the train and I, I was just kind of beaming. Like, it yeah. was like, you know, yeah. someone else's story about the time they met B.B. King or, yeah. you know, Mick Jagger or whoever it is. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, this is great because no one... In our, in our walk mm. knows who this guy is mm. and nor do they need to mm. you know mm. but I I just sincerely felt like not only had I got a great conversation with him on tape but it was just like I, I'm, I kind of met a guy who's you know his music I sort of discovered it by fluke by myself and Ooh. it stayed with me for a long time so you know I just I had such a great time talking to him but I just think he's great, mm. and I thought you'd yeah I thought you'd appreciate that from him because he's a guy who knows like he's he, he's a guy who I imagine finishes work and then goes oh I didn't have my shit together on that that's rubbish and other people might hear it and go actually that's pretty great you know like he it isn't it isn't just I don't think it isn't just that little like uh, you know I'll I'll put a little cheap shot in and then I'll hang a compliment on the end of it. It's a very, oh, no, no, it's, no, it's, no, a, no. it's a very he, real compliment. He, he shoots straight from yeah, that, Mike. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, he's, he's amazing. I love Mike. Um, yes. Uh, I don't know what to say about Mike. He's, he's, uh, he, he actually went to school with my dad. They, they used to play together back in the day. But, and there's a lot, lot but, Mike is just absolutely, brutally, completely, powerfully honest and um, observant and um, uh, very real. And 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 you hear that in his piano playing. He's he's got such a deliberateness I always find I, I, yeah. he, in, in his tone and uh, um, it's a bit like you say people like Ricky the way they hit the drums and they stay hit and they have their own sound to it he's he's got the piano version of that he's got an attitude in his yes. playing which is a, that's almost saying um Come with me over here for a second and, and and look at this. Did you hear that? Did you look look at the way this look look at what this can mean? Yeah. He's got this sort of thing yes. where he's saying, look at what this can mean. Yeah. He's not saying this is what it means. He's saying this is what it could mean. Yeah. 
Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's, I find consistently in, in Mike's, Mike's work, and he's done such a lot of stuff yeah. over, over the years and just quietly got on with it all. Yeah, just... just. And he's super... He's in very... He's touched a lot of people and he's, he's interacted with, with a lot of artists and he's, he's one of the, the greats and um, he, he, he's just... Well, I'm pleased to hear you say that because that's how I'm, I... mean, I know, I know he's got his fans and his admirers and yeah. all of that, but yeah. and, and a lot of people in New Zealand do, you know, think of him because, you know, because he came from here and stuff, but yeah, it's nice hearing you say that because that's sort of the esteem that I hold him in. I'm just like, man, mm. this guy's one of the absolute greats. Yeah. Like, that's what I say. It was like meeting a hero. Like, yeah. his music had meant a whole lot to me yeah. and uh, I'd seen him perform before so I like I like watching him as a performer too all mm. of those things that you've just articulated come across this mm. confidence and this you know curious sort of curiousness you know yeah. this curiosity around yeah. where he can take the audience and where he's going to go himself yeah. and just yeah but just this calm kind of assured confidence in his playing and I've yeah. seen him play in quite a few different you know lineups. Mm. And um, yeah, he's quite quite amazing to me. Yeah. Silly geek question here, but um, what's his name? Dan Vice. Yeah. It, what's it like playing with him? Because that guy's amazing. Like I, because he's a guy I found some of his sort of solo work, and then also has played with a few other people before. I, you know, I heard the record. Well, you've done two now, but before yeah. I heard the first record, you'd done with him. So, right. so you know, like again, he's the sort of guy where if. if Someone had presented me with your album, but I didn't know who you were. Yeah. Seeing his name on it would have made me want to listen to it, you know, right. anyway, for his contribution. Right. Yeah. Right. I think he's amazing. He is amazing. Dan's amazing. He's he's way ahead, and he's got a an ability to actually not play any of the music that's there. Yeah. And still play it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he he's super deep. He's got a he's he's. A, He's a great writer himself. Yeah. And uh, orchestrator and everything. Yeah, well, that, that uh, big album he did a couple of years ago was at 14. 16. 16. And 16. He's, got, yeah. he's done 14. Yeah, he's done 14. So 16 is, a, is and, just amazing. Yeah, and the nice thing about him is, um, well, actually, it's the nice thing about the trio is because Ben is so sympathetic. Yes. And I wouldn't call Dan sympathetic. Yeah, yeah. I don't he's, know you mean. He's, yeah. He is. Um, but. That, but not by being sympathetic. Yeah, he's 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 very challenging. Yeah, and he but he plays he plays the material he plays the mu the music, and he makes an incredible array of sounds on the drums. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's got his shit together and uh, yeah, it's a he's a force to play with. Yeah, um, and yeah. I don't know what else to say about Dan. He's just, uh, he's fucking genius. He's an incredible musician. Um, and Ben is very, very uh, supportive and just plays a bunch of notes that just, and, and the half the time they're not even the root notes. They just, they just land so well. Yeah. And makes the tiniest little gestures that bring yeah some sort of cadence about or uh, 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 
land statement or just the gentlest little things that Ben does. When I listen to the three of you, I kind of, yes, it's a bit of a cliche about basis, but he does feel like the perfect kind of anchor because when I listen to those albums, you know, I've I've got in my head some of the other stuff that I know Dan can do, so I so right. I've got my idea of what sort of musical personality he is, yeah, yeah. and likewise you, yeah. and it's your your you know you're the leader, it's your trio, it's piano based jazz, yeah, and so yeah, he sort of manages that role so perfectly of sitting right in the middle, yeah, pulling you towards each other, yeah, blocking and putting you know space in, yeah. and, and just understating himself yeah yeah and and we, we recorded those albums pretty fast and and actually just had we didn't even rehearse the second one we had a couple of hours rehearsal on the first one yeah and well they had that lovely feel about them yeah they that's feel why, like yeah, yeah, they're yeah, organic yeah, captured realistically there's not much point in rehearsing that material for too much otherwise no. you're not going to get that stuff that's out. that's exactly it yeah yeah um you don't want a guy reading charts and and no because it's hitting not a, spots you want to feeling the space yeah you know, and it's not yeah. music that's matured through being played because that's this first time we played yes, so that's yeah. an important part of it yeah um uh what was I going to say this um it's a funny thing because I wrote on Dark Light I wrote that music and I, rather than write chords for 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 Ben, yeah. I wrote bass lines because I wanted to practice the material myself. So I just play it off my computer with the bass lines I'd put in there. Yeah, and I didn't even bother to write interesting bass lines. <laughs> I thought, well, I just wrote functional ones yeah. that just did the job of yeah. of serving the tune. And actually, what Ben said when he came to do this, I said, okay, so we'll, so you play, um, just, you know, what tunes do you want to solo on? And so I said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll solo when I want to solo. He ended up not soloing, although I wish he'd had taken a solo on, on one of them. But anyway, um, but I said, Ben, you don't have to play those bass lines that I wrote. They're not. Yeah. I didn't mean guy, for you to play yeah, that yeah, yeah. shit. And he said, no, that's... He said, I tried doing, he said, at first I thought, oh, I don't know about this shit. And that's the great thing about Ben, is like, he'll say something like that. He'll go, yeah. you know, I don't know if I liked this when I, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. He's, but he said, um, but then I realised, no, no, these are compositions. Like, that is that is the bass line. So he played it. That, he didn't always stick to it, but he played yeah, it. Yeah, right. And then I realised, fuck, that's right. I, I don't. I didn't actually want to make a jazz album. I don't even think of that music as jazz. I suppose it is closest to that, yeah. if you're going to say it's anything. But And the solos that I do aren't... They're not really solos. They're just spaces within the form where I can play something that I didn't write yet, you know, and it's a sort of... So it was actually Ben and Dan that helped me understand what I didn't need to do in, in, in that material to, if that makes sense like if I thought of it as a jazz record it would have might have maybe made the mistake of yeah asking them to solo or something you know what I mean like it might it would have put it somewhere it maybe didn't need to be told where it was going it could just 
come out and be something it was. And I'm playing a bunch of that material solo um, tonight and last night. And I normally don't play any of that material. One of the tunes I play solo, yeah, the yeah. title track, Dark Light. Uh, and it's super interesting to to be playing that music solo because it's the first time I've re-looked at it since I recorded I haven't even listened to it. I just to, to look at it again and just see what it is and what can be done with it. Anyway, I don't know what I'm saying by saying that, but yeah, I, I that that's my experience of working with Dan and, and Ben, is that it actually... Yeah, yeah. Uh, you hope there's a few more albums to come with them? I've got a few more planned with them. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it sounds like your year's pretty much lined up. You yeah. the rest of it? Yeah. By the time you do the Spain thing? Yeah. Pretty much. Um, and New Zealand's working out for you as a base at the moment? You're not getting too... It's all right. I've, got, I've gotten better at... at, at managing myself here with less to do uh, yeah. if, if you like yeah um uh but i i i've i'm working on so much stuff that's either prep for a, a thing or a project somewhere else or a, and it's quite nice to just be in one place for a while yeah. and uh, yeah. have a very fine studio and and a chance to do a lot of practice on the piano and and a chance to play a bit with um, people I like to play with, and 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 I've enjoyed developing the Spanner project with Ross Burge, and um, yeah, hopefully um, next time I'm up in Auckland, you guys are doing something. Cause, I think uh, I want to cu- start curating a show, yeah. a yearly show at a venue like the Hollywood Cinema, if you yeah, know what that yeah, is. Yeah. Um, with with a number of bands, maybe possibly four or so. Um, and having all my little projects that yeah, I work cool. throughout the year culminate in a yeah, cool. thing like that. Because again, Ross, uh, you know, is so great. I love watching him play with whoever he plays with anyway as well. You know, yeah, like yeah. He's, he's, he's another dude that makes a real, a real yes, singular he sound. Does. Yes, he does. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and, he, and he's another guy who I must try and... Um, Force into talking to me he for hates, this. He hates I, doing interviews. I know, but, but I know. But he does great one. But I, I, that's why I've sort of been holding off. But I, um, he is another name that just keeps coming up, you know, because I've talked to people that have worked with him and talked to people that admire him. And, right. you know, he, his name just keeps coming up. So I sort of feel like I have to try and um, attach him to this. In, Ross, in Ross is real old school type musician in the sense that he. He really plays the song and he really plays the band. Yeah. So he's not like, he doesn't come in and just play. He he asks the question, well, what a, what a, what's the song? And, but more importantly, what, what are we? And when I called him to do the Spanner stuff, he said, um, I said, hey, uh, I've got a gig if you want to do it and he said what is it and I said well it would be me on bass and you on drums he said oh yeah and what else and I said well that's it he said ah he said well I don't, I don't want to be playing any jazz <laughs> yeah. and I said no 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 it's not jazz I hate jazz I said <laughs> <laughs> and he said yeah me too no he didn't say that but um, <laughs> I said no 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 it'll just be you and me like as a rhythm section he said oh okay well but what are we, what songs are we going to do I said well 
we'll just make it up. And he said, all right, well, let me think about it. I've got a sore knee at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I went, I went, oh, okay, well, I don't know what that means. That's a no. <laughs> so, I, so I went to Australia, I was playing, and, and I got a message on my phone. I'd, I'd locked myself out of my motel room and I was strolling around in Mullumbimby in my bath towel looking, <laughs> looking for the manager of the hotel to get the key. I had to go into the main pub, which is full of people in my bath towel. And I'm waiting for the thing and finally he gets me back into the room and there's a message on my phone. And so I dial the message thing and it says, yeah, this is Ross. Uh, look, I've been thinking about this gig and I've realised that every time I think about it, I... I'm not enjoying it, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so I went, oh, fuck. So I, I, I sort of let it sit for a day or so, and then I got another message the next day, and it was Ross, and he says, look, I've had another thought about this gig, and I've, I've decided to do it. So <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what changed his mind about it, but um, <laughs> that's, that's what Ross's, that's very Ross yeah. thing. He's, he's super honest with what's going on right now. Well, you've just inspired me to wait a little bit longer before I try to talk to him. <laughs> oh, well, any time would work. But what I noticed the other day, we did an interview for um, uh, Marty Duda's oh, 13th yeah. floor. Yeah, yeah. And um, Ross, Ross said, well, I, I don't need to be here, do I? I said, no, what are you talking about? And he said, and Marty said, well, actually, we've only got one mic anyway. It's a lapel <laughs> mic. And he and he put it on me. And, and Ross said, yeah, well, yeah, I, I don't need to be. And I said, no, no, come on, man, you can talk. And, and... Um, he said, no, I hate doing interviews or something like that. And anyway, he ended up... Taking over. <laughs> yeah, really well. So he's, he's pretty good. Yeah. Just got to get him going with something. But Yeah. Oh, no, no, he's he's on my list because, mm. I mean, I've I've listened to him for years across mm. so many different things. And, mm. and he, you know, his, his talent, but also all the different sort of ways he's popped up. And it'd be interesting to try and get a bit of his... He's not the sort of guy to, to fly his own flag. No, 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 but it'd be cool to get his sort of, like, like you've just sort of encapsulated his kind of playing philosophy. Yeah. Cool. You know, that's yeah, what, yeah, no, that's what would be interesting. With, and which is to, good, because it makes you yeah. respond in that um, yeah. that context and that yeah, world yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. And that's why I would couldn't do that band with anyone else. It's just, it's, yeah. And that's what that band is. It's a... Rhythm section unleashed from yeah. the band. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because like, yeah. I've played with Ross in that band and that band and that, and always it's been the Ross bit about it that I've been interested in. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we've got now. We yeah. just sort of pulled the tooth. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully I get to see you play because, um, as I say, I've, 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 I think the one one time or couple of times you've been to Wellington I've, I've been out of the city or whatever or sick oh, or something but it was definitely on my radar when you played at Moon and then I didn't get to it yeah that wasn't such a successful gig but we're, we're, yeah if we do another one we'll yeah. figure it out better yeah yeah um, thanks so much for coming around and having a chat I really enjoyed it